This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Brian Estes, Off the Chain Capital, always a pleasure to have you back on Real Vision. Thank you for having me, Ash. Brian, it's always so much fun to have you on, especially looking forward to this conversation uh, where we talk through Bitcoin valuation. And I think even more broadly than that, your thought process about technology, about markets, uh, and about the way that valuation gets done in general. Yeah, no, it's um, you know, it's been a very interesting space to be in over the last seven years. And um, it's fun to see all the traditional asset managers finally starting to pay attention to what's going on. So it's starting to get really exciting. For a little bit of context, let's talk a little bit about your background and how you got invested and interested in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So um, I started off in traditional finance when I was 22 years old. I um, started with a company called AG Edwards & Sons in St. Louis as a stockbroker. Um, I was doing the retail stuff for a couple of years, and then I picked up a few institutional clients, and I started focusing all my efforts on being an institutional equity broker. Um, so I was there for 14 years. I left in 2004. I was a senior vice president when I left and started my own registered investment advisory firm in 2004. And basically, I just cherry picked my top clients and was managing money for them um, for about 10 years. Um, as an RIA, and basically they were endowments and foundations in the St. Louis area. So I was their outsourced CIO for seven endowments and foundations, uh, managing about $350 million for them. Um, and then in 2014, I learned about Bitcoin. I saw Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss on CNBC being interviewed by Andrew Ross Sorkin when Bitcoin was around $100. And coming from the traditional finance world, yeah, I just thought it was a total scam. I, I just, yeah, I, I didn't understand what Bitcoin was. I just thought it was this internet funny money. I, I just didn't comprehend what it was. And it, you know, it took me a good six months to figure it out. And after I figured out what Bitcoin was, which is basically just open source internet protocol software that allows us to transfer value peer-to-peer -peer through the internet without having a third party clear that transaction. Um, you know, I, it just, you know, like a light bulb clicked on and I was like, I, I just understood how we are rebuild our entire financial system on blockchain technology. And so um, I convinced my wife into allowing me to sell my practice. And um, I, I sold my RIA and became a venture capitalist in the blockchain space. And, you know, I had no idea what, you know, a venture capitalist does, but, you know, that's, you know, kind of, you know, how, how I got started back in 2014 and, um, and, and then just, you know, got involved and, you know, helped start in building and financing and mentoring blockchain companies. And that's what I've done for the last seven years. Yeah. It's so interesting to me uh, because you mentioned getting started in Bitcoin in 2014. But as you mentioned earlier, the journey begins 30 years ago. Uh, in terms of how you think about markets, how you think about technology, and how you think about valuation. Walk us through that. 
Yeah, I, I've always had a value tent. Um, you know, being you know, and uh, you know, professional portfolio manager. You know, looking at what you know, at undervalued assets. Um, you know, in traditional asset, you know, minds that's called Benjamin Graham or Graham Dodd investing, kind of like what Warren Buffett does. Uh, basically, you know, we're trying to find, you know, a dollar's worth of assets for 50 cents. And so when I first started my career, um, you know, that that's, you know, I, I read, you know, you know, all sorts of books from Peter Lynch and, you know, Benjamin Graham and you know, how, how to be a great investor. And, um, you know, but when I first got started, when I was 22, yeah, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, fresh out of college from University of Illinois. And, um, you know, I, I, I thought being a stockbroker was a financial management or analyst type job. But after I actually started doing it, I realized it was a sales job. And um, so I, I went to one of the most experienced people in our office at the time. We had about 100 and I think we had 105 brokers in our office. And Leo Samet, um, he had started with, he was around 80 years old and he had started with AG Edwards 60 years prior. And, um, you know, he was very successful. So I went into his office and I was like, hey, Leo, um, I'm new. You know, you're successful. Can you share me, you know, share a few tips with me on how to have a long career in this industry and be successful like you are? And um, Leo is kind of funny. I, I remember this like it was yesterday. He um, and this was, you know, I guess, what, 30 years ago? Yeah, 30 years ago this happened. Um, but it's still so fresh in my mind. He, he looked at me. I mean, it, it was probably just for like maybe 10 seconds, but it seemed like it was like for at least a minute, like just kind of sizing me up. And um, he, I, I guess in his mind, he was thinking, you know, should I really share the secret of success with this kid? And um, so he didn't say a word. All he did was he put his hand on a piece of paper and he slid it over to me across his desk. And um, he goes, just put all your clients in this. And what he slid me was a value line report on a company called Berkshire Hathaway. And so this is back in like 1991. Um, Berkshire Hathaway was, you know, it was less than $10,000 a share. I think it was you know, 8,000 or something like that. And he goes, just put all your clients in this. And I, and I looked at him and I was like, you know, my clients aren't going to buy an $8,000 per share stock. You know, don't you have anything that's like $10 or $1, you know, like a penny stock? And, um, you know, that's what I was thinking in my head because I didn't know how to value a company. Um, you know, you know, yeah, I didn't know the value of, you know, you know, like, you know, Warren Buffett who ran the company. I didn't know how to value the free cash flow being generated by the company. You know, I, I didn't know how to predict that interest rates when I dropped from 10% basically down to zero over the next 30 years, which would increase the value of the company. And so I was just unaware and um, so I, I never bought the stock. And, you know, over the next 30 years, Berkshire Hathaway went from, you know, like I said, you know, $8,000 up to, you know, over, I think, I think today it's like 410000 or so. And you know, they, they, they've never had a stock split. And so, you know, that, that's where I learned that, you know, you don't pay attention to the price. The price isn't what matters. It, it's the value that matters. And I equate that to Bitcoin today because a lot of people are looking at Bitcoin at $61,000 a coin. And they're like, oh, I, I don't want to buy it. It's too high. I don't, you know, I can't buy a whole Bitcoin. Um, I'd rather buy like Dogecoin at, you know, 23 cents. And 
that just doesn't make sense to me um, because, you know, it's there's value to Bitcoin. There's really no value to Dogecoin. And um, and so, you know, I, I think what's going to happen is over the long run that, you know, people that invest in Doge are going to be hurt and, you know, people that, you know, understand how to value Bitcoin um, will, you know, be much better off. One of the other things that I enjoy about your analysis, about the way you think this through, uh, is your analysis of S-curves. Give us a sense about how you came across S-curves and why they're so important in the way that you form the thesis around technology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, back in um, 1988, I had the opportunity to go to Cambridge University and the London School of Economics to do my study abroad my junior year. And um, when I was at Cambridge, um, one of the classes I took was... um, you know, about macroeconomics. We were actually in Sir Isaac Newton's um, classroom. He used to be a professor at Cambridge. And um, so, I, you know, we learned about S-curves there in bubbles, the history of stock market bubbles. And um, so it's always been important to me to use this information. And I based my entire career on, you know, being able to foresee the next S-curves. So back in the early um, 1990s, um, so I graduated college in 1990. When I graduated, only 10% of U.S. households owned a personal computer back then. And by year 2000, it was 90% of households owned a personal computer. But when the personal computer revolution started, it started in the you know very late 70s, early 80s. And so, you know, in 1980, about one-tenth of 1% of households had a personal computer. And so that's what S-curve is. It's the amount of time it takes for a new technology to go from 0% adoption to 10% adoption is the same amount of time it takes it to go from 10% to 90%. So you can go back and look at, you know, shipping companies in the 1400s, railroads in the 1800s, um, automobile companies in the 1940s and 50s, you know, I mentioned computers in the 80s and 90s. Um, and then, you know, I use this for, you know, the computer S-curve, the internet S-curve, the mobile internet S-curve, um, which is basically Apple, and then now blockchain S-curves. So Bitcoin was invented in 2009. By 2019, 10% of U.S. households own Bitcoin. And then last year, Brian Brooks, the um, comptroller of the U.S. currency um, mentioned that 15% of U.S. households own Bitcoin. There was a survey that came out earlier this year of 30,000 people that showed 25% of U.S. households own Bitcoin. So we're on this mass adoption, this mega trend of mass adoption of Bitcoin in, in the United States. And what this tells us, if it took 10 years to go from zero to 10, then it's going to take 10 more years to go from 10 to 90. So from 2019 to 2029, in 2029, we should hit about 90% adoption of Bitcoin or digital wallets or some sort of crypto assets in our portfolios. And um, so this megatrend is in place and it's completely unstoppable. And you either get on board or you get run over. Hey, if you like this clip, be sure to check out the full interview and more only on realvision.com forward slash crypto. It's 100% free. Sign up now.